Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about recovery from addiction. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center, Rise Up Subs, and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. Welcome to episode 138, everybody. Today is the first day of December 2023. It is a gorgeous day out there. A little cold for St. George. wasn't as gorgeous coming down. It was rainy and w- and snowy and windy and... You almost got... I got all these... Uh, iced out. Yeah, I got all these notices on my uh, car dash that the radar can't see and I'm going to crash into the car in front of me and all this stuff, so... I'm glad you made it yeah, safe. Made it. It was fine. So for those of you that are listening to this podcast for the first time, welcome. I'm Jared Miller, substance abuse counselor. I'm joined by our co-host dr terry sellers and we do this little podcast if you're looking for something super professional like dateline that's definitely not us yeah we ain't that if you're looking for two goofballs talking about recovery spreading a little education and message of hope you've tuned in we is that place yeah yes today speaking of that can i stop though for a second listen to the introduction and there's this uh in the introduction part you know that we play every week yeah there's this really deep uh wait we what what did you say? Oh, I'm Jared Sellers. Your ho- I'm Jared Sellers. <laughs> I got a brother named Jared. I'm Jared Miller, your host. And then there's this other guy. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. <laughs> Who's the nasally whiny guy? Anyway, keep going. <laughs> I think you're being a little overcritical. Okay. Right. Uh, yeah. So speaking of the messages of hope, a little education, information. Today we're going to be talking about a book that actually one of my sponsees told me about. Okay. So um, today we're going to be talking about uh, PhD Alan Berger's book, 12 Stupid Things That Mess Up Recovery. You ever had an Alan Burger? They're delicious. <laughs> Are they? <laughs> yeah. Very nice. I haven't. I'll have to okay. keep searching for it. Yeah. Uh, the subtitle is Avoiding Relapse Through Self-Awareness and Right Action. So we're going to dive into some of that stuff, but as usual, we're going to kind of get a little warmed up, be a little, you know, ourselves here. Uh, episode 138 is brought to us by, none of this would be possible without. A, a company called Steps Recovery Center? That's right. All right. Talk to me. Steps Recovery Center. Steps Recovery Center is an adult substance abuse and mental health treatment provider. Steps Recovery Center pro- provides all levels of care. They have a medical detox facility multiple residential treatment centers, and outpatient services reaching from the top of Utah to the bottom. Recovery starts with you, and at Steps Recovery Centers, there's always hope. Call them today at 801-800-8142 or visit their website at stepsrc.com to learn more. Let me ask you a question about Steps. Do they, do they, did you, and if you mention this, I apologize. Do they also have sober living facilities, Steps? I didn't mention that, but they do have those. Okay, so... Based on that, then, what you're basically saying, all your fancy language, they're basically saying Steps does everything. We got it all. Steps can do everything. All right. And I think it's, I like also, it. they can. it's also important to, like, I don't think a lot of people realize how important the outpatient mm-hmm. and the sober oh. living is. Right. You know, you can go somewhere and get abstinent for 30 or 45 days, but once you get back into the real world, how are you going to deal with those people, places, and things? Of, of course, a... Uh, uh, a subject near and dear to my heart because I'm on the board of the Sobriety Foundation, and one of the things we do is help fund people who can't fund it themselves, help them fund the sober living. And I wasn't trying to pimp Sobriety Foundation, but just saying it's that continuity of care that really makes a an outfit like Steps Recovery Center a complete treatment center rather than just we treat you for 30 days and send you on your way and hope you do good. Well said. Well said, sir. I also love that they're willing to pick you up from the airport. Uh, We have a lot of listeners. Let me touch on that for a second. Man, so many things. It's been a minute since we've done this. Yeah. It's so cool to watch our analytics. Like, it has a little map of the world. Okay. And it's just cool to be able to, like, see where hitting different countries. Oh, that's cool. Oh, you You mean our analytics on the podcast? Yeah, on the podcast. Yeah, that's cool. And you can click on, like, U.S., and it shows you all the states and lights up in different colors. I need to look at that. Oh, yeah. I didn't know we even had that. I'll share the login with you. All right. That sounds great. uh, It's super cool. So thank you guys out there for listening. I've been noticing a lot of New York, a lot of Florida, a lot of California. We got some Washington people. We got some Oregon people. We got some Nevada. It's nice. We love it. Yeah. Thank you. Starting today. Thank you. We're just here. 
talking about recovery, and we're grateful to the people that tune in and listen, frankly. Absolutely. Love you guys. Thank and you so tune much. in is an old-fashioned term because I'm 64. People don't have to do this with a dial anymore, but anyway. You can, <laughs> I love it. I say tune in all the time, yeah, too. It still sort of applies. But. The reason I say that is keep in mind, if you like the podcast, if this is inspirational, educational, and useful to you, support our sponsors. If you have a loved one who needs help, reach out. Yeah. All right. Our second so, sponsorship. Let me mention something else about that, though. Many podcasts, people make money off their podcast. We're not making any money off this podcast. We don't make a dime. So I am. We don't. You might. We have to pay the guy that produces there and pushes the buttons and provides the uh, resources and gives us a place to. But we, you and I, make not one penny off of this podcast. So, but we love it. We enjoy it. So, if you can. It does help us if you can like the podcast, if you can subscribe, if you can leave a, a, a rating or a message. All of those things are helpful, and we like doing it. So if you like it, help us out and just do that. We don't ask for any donations or any money. We never ask anybody to pay anything. Just, okay, maybe uh, maybe pay attention to our sponsors and... Secondly, like, review, rate. Yeah, show them. Some, yeah, show us some love. Show them some love. Yep. We got to do that. I think towards the end of the year, I ought to bring in like favorite comments and emails from listeners. I get some pretty funny stuff, and then of course I get some like sassy and yeah, sure, passive aggressive. Well, sure, stuff. lots and of people. So it'd be fun to just read them off. And the wider the reach of the podcast, the <laughs> wider the reach of the comments right. are going to be. Right? right. Some people are just absolutely going to think we're clowns. Well, that's kind of what we're trying to do. So thank you very much. And then you always get those near and dear to the heart. Like, thank you so much. This has helped me a ton. Mm -hmm. It really helps, you know, give some perspective on how to approach my loved one. Yeah. Yada, yada. Okay. We got another sponsor. Can you hit us? I'm sorry that I'm interrupting so much. You're good. Rise Up Supplements is also one of our sponsors. Rise Up Supplements is a nootropic... Hold on. Let's get the tagline. Rise, Rise Up, Up Supplements is, is a nootropic supplement line, line aimed oh. at optimizing brain function and supporting mental health. Basically supplements for the brain. They have two powerful blends. Mindful Mood helps decrease anxiety and enhance mood, while Mind Shift helps increase focus and optimize brain function. Place your order today for these powerful nootropics at riseupsups.com. That's R-I-S-E. UPS, UPS.com. At checkout, punch in promo code in all caps, PODCAST20, to save yourself 20% off. We appreciate them sponsoring this podcast. Yep. Thanks. Okay. Well, it's, I mean, we're a little late into this. I'm no, instead of fine. new and goods, I just got we're a question. Sure. How was your Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving was spectacular. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm not Talk very good at new and goods, right? So uh, I have a new and good for sure. I've got some stuff, right? But Thanksgiving was spectacular. We had, um, uh, as everyone on this that has listened to the podcast knows, uh, we had a daughter that passed away not all that long ago. And, it, you know, holidays can be sad when you have a loved one who is no longer with you. And that part of it was a little sad, but we had both of my sons there and all of their kids. We had my wife's brother and his wife were there. My brother, Jared, who's living with me for a little while, was there. Um, we had, uh, uh, I think she is Japanese, although don't quote me on that. She's from the, she's from the East somewhere, a Japanese lady who's a single lady in our neighborhood and her son, uh, had dinner with us and we just had a big old time. It was really nice. And Melody is the world's greatest cook. So we had an unbelievable meal, which of course we're still now eating and it's, it was, I had a great Thanksgiving. I love it, man. Yeah. And then. Love it. All the fam, and then, all the feasts. And then feasts. another tradition for me, which is, my wife doesn't love this tradition, but the Cowboys are always on Thanksgiving Day. So, and I've been a lifelong Cowboys fan. So, I like, and when I say the Cowboys, I mean the Dallas Cowboys, not the people that rope uh, steers. Um, <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. Yeah. So, uh, it was a great Thanksgiving. I loved it. How awesome. about you? Mine was fantastic. Yeah, I got to go up to northern Utah, Salt Lake City area. I spent um, actually north of the Salt Lake City area where I'm from. I, I spent Thanksgiving with my family. It's the first time in a long time that we've had everybody there. You uh, know, we had. See, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. My mom was there. We did it at my sister's house. When you say your mom, you mean there. the podcast's mom. Yeah. Judy Miller. Yeah. We have a podcast mom. Love that lady. Yeah. So it was cool. And then the next day we spent some time with um, my my significant other, Mandy's 
uh, family and played some board games and Sweet. ate a bunch more and did the whole pie thing. And what kind of board games did you play? I think I put on like 15 pounds in a week. It's, it was totally nice worth job, it, dude. Yeah, I ate so much pecan pie. Oh, I love pecan pie. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's my favorite. Yeah. Pecan. Yo, yeah. Well, now that you're for, piping up, Denovan, how for, was your Thanksgiving? For somebody, I had some pecan pie. You're from Utah. Pecan? Pecan pie. Let's go with my soda. Did you guys just spend more, Thanksgiving I'm in the more, hot tub? I'm more Pretty negative much, yeah. than you. I had pecan pie. Boiled a pie. turkey. It took about... Seven days. You boiled a turkey at 103 degrees in, in seven the, days in the hot tub. In the hot yeah. tub yeah. Oh, okay, great. It smelled like summer. Was like it was the turkey wearing a little bikini? <laughs> a no, little turkey not, bikini. We, we don't do bikinis at our hot tub. Oh, yeah, they're modest. They're wow. Utah. No, I think what he meant was. Wow. Oh, the I think he meant the other direction. Mm-hmm. We do less than bikinis in our hot yeah, tub. Yeah. Is I think what he meant. He mentioned earlier the tall fence that he has. So mm. I think that's what he meant by I'm that. Catching on. Catch it on. Sweet. He was boiling the boys. What? <laughs> <laughs> this this podcast gets what did better I say? and better. I didn't say anything. All right, let's Sean jump just into put a some... mark on something he has to chop out of the let's podcast, jump, I think. <laughs> let's jump into our topic. So today I've got the book here. All right. Boom. You can the see it. The title is 12 Stupid Things That Mess Up Recovery by Alan Berger. The subtitle is Avoiding Relapse Through Self-Awareness and Right Action. Okay, I already have a problem. Mm. I don't like the title. Why is that? Um, these things actually aren't that stupid. I mean, these are things that happen in our lives, and they're not all that stupid. They're just facts of life. Like, I don't like that that label, 12 stupid things. They're, they're things. It's clickbait, man. I, you know, I it's know. that, right? I get it. It's, it's I get to it. catch it's, people's it's, attention. It's a better title probably than what I would have come up with, but I don't think the word stupid belongs in that title. These are 12 things that happen in our daily lives that will really mess up our recovery. Let's get those 12 Okay, things. you want to read them? Uh, yeah. How about you read some, I'll read some. Okay, every other one? One, two, okay, that works. Let's do it, number one. This is, this number one! Uh, oh, I like He's so it. good. This is awesome. Believing addiction to one substance is the only problem. He's he's not going to announce no, number I'm, two. I'm waiting. Oh, oh, oh. I'm, wait, I'm waiting for number two. Sean. I thought you guys were going to do one and then two and then, okay. Yeah, number I'm doing two. two! There you go. <laughs> Stupid thing number two, believing sobriety will fix everything. Number three. Pursuing recovery with less energy than pursuing addiction. Hmm. Quattro. Being selectively honest. Five. Feeling special and unique. Six. Not making amends. Seven. <laughs> Using the program to try to become perfect. Eight. Confusing self-concern with selfishness. Nine. Playing futile self-improvement games. Ten. Not getting help for relationship troubles. Eleven. Believing that life should be easy. Twelve. Using the program to handle everything. There they are. That was, that was spectacular. Let's that just end the yeah, podcast. Man, like right? the sound That's effects, a wrap, guys. The things, that was That's awesome. a wrap. Okay, yeah. where do you want to jump into well, these 12 different um, things? I, well, uh, there's not much chance we're going to get through all 12 of these in the in the time that we have. So we might pick this up on another podcast as well. Mm-hmm. But we have this is not, uh, we, we don't rehearse this crap. This is just... We just throw it out there, right? Yeah. We don't. I mean, we take notes sometimes. I'm not saying we don't have anything, but we for sure don't spend a ton of time. Like this is not scripted. This is not rehearsed. We're just going to talk about stuff. So it's not Dateline. Yeah. Let's do. Um, well, let's start with one because that seems like a really easy one. I really like some of the first few of them because they're so. Uh, I mean, they're just so basic. Yeah. To addiction. Can I read kind of the starting of it? You can do whatever you want. It's your podcast, dude. It's called We Do Recover with Jared Miller. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Here we go. Stupid thing number one, believing addiction to one substance is the only problem. It kicks off with our best chance for recovery lies in total abstinence from all mind-altering drugs. Your thoughts. All right. I got thoughts, man. I got a million thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. I just had a guy um, uh, who is currently in treatment. And he will, of course, remain nameless, and uh, as will the treatment center. But I had a guy, look, it doesn't even have to be this guy. I've had this happen to me a hundred times. Well, Doc, when I leave, I'm going to smoke pot. You know that, right? 
Sure. We uh, had okay, great. That's that, Thanks for the declaration. That's, <laughs> um, uh, that's contrary to everything we've been teaching you, but of course, and that what, what underlies that is this belief that, uh, I have troubles with alcohol. I have troubles with alcohol or I have troubles with opiates. Uh, pot's not my problem. Well, what, is the, what, what is the problem <laughs> all, with yet, that from a medical standpoint? What's the common pathway? Well, there's uh, there's several problems, and I think we've discussed this a little on the show already, although we're going to be getting to lots of things we've discussed because we've got 100 and how many episodes now? 140? 138. 138. I thought it was 141. Sorry. I jumped ahead three episodes, but we've talked about this a little bit. But one of the things that that all alcohol, all alcohol, the all addictive substances do is they work on the judgment center of the brain. A judgment center is where we, uh, w- where we have all these possible options to deal with any scenario, and in the judgment center, we pick the one that seems to be the most appropriate for the situation, even if we've never encountered the situation before. Mm-hmm. You, you, I know you've heard me. I don't know if the uh, listening audience has heard me talk about the Queen of England thing, but remember that? Have I told you that? Let's get it. Okay, the Queen of England's coming to meet you tonight. She's coming to your house. Sweet. You're going to greet her. We have talked about this on this podcast, I think, but I I always ask clients, how do you greet the Queen of England? And so when I ask that question, what you do immediately is you go to your judgment center Mm -hmm. and you rifle through ways to greet people. Okay. The way to greet people are shaking hands. You could, uh, you could shake hands, uh, way to greet anyone, right? Shake hands, high five, slap them on the butt, give them a hug. Sure. Say hello. Um, uh, bow. Curtsy, wave. What? Wave. Wave. Sure. Okay. okay. All these things are in your judgment center. Your judgment center decision making picks the one that's most appropriate. And everyone's judgment center, no matter how educated, uneducated, how old, how young, maybe not how young, but understands that slapping the Queen of England on the behind is not the way to greet her. Mm. Right. Yeah. Everyone understands that. Everyone might come up with a slightly different answer, but almost no one's going to come up with that answer, right? Okay. Until you put a mind-altering substance in your brain and knock out your judgment center, and now all of a sudden it's possible that slapping the Queen of England on the behind comes up as a possibility to you, right? It's If you look at the way people do things, dancing on the bar with a lampshade on your head and no other clothes... It's not a great idea. Especially if the, it goes viral and doesn't help your prof- professional career, your right? interpersonal relationships. Right? Right? Yeah, but who yeah. does that? Somebody not intoxicated. The, not the sober people in the bar, right? Somebody Only the intoxicated, the really sure. intoxicated people, because they've completely knocked out their judgment center. Right? And so, so this is one of the points I make is my judgment center to me right now says morphine is a really, really terrible idea in my life. Right? Based on past experience. <clears throat> yes. I mean, I just know what's going to happen at mm-hmm. the end. I don't know the details, but I know the direction it goes, right? I know it goes to badness quickly, and I stop when the badness hits, it, it, when it gets bad enough. So that's that's my judgment center telling me that until I go get drunk, which I've never really been. I've not been drunk. I go get drunk, and all of a sudden morphine might be a slightly better idea. Right. Mm. There's tons of people who do not use cocaine. I saw a funny meme about that. Yeah. Tell me. So I, you know, I'm on social media. Our podcast page follows a lot of recovery uh, pages. And there was a meme that said, um, my brain telling me I'm not an alcoholic, two beers won't hurt me. And then it shows a picture of uh, like a crackhead running, you know, it was Dave Chappelle. You know, his little crackhead skit, right? Okay. It shows a picture of Dave Chappelle, like scratching his neck, the classic look right. with the white lips. And he's like two hours after having a beer. Crack, here I come. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. I, I, was, I was about to say that I know tons of people that don't use cocaine unless they drink. Right. And that's, that's all because when they're not drunk, they know cocaine's a bad idea. Well, that's not the only reason, but that's partly because when they're not drunk, they know cocaine's a bad idea, but they get drunk and all Logically, of a sudden it seems rationally. like a better idea. Yeah. So it shuts right. down the frontal cortex, the main right. rational decision-making part of the brain. Right. You know why I feel like this is important for people to know, though? Yes. I feel no, I like mean, one I don't, of the, but tell me. So 
for me, the thing that made, made me think of this in reading the book, oftentimes when we're in that ambivalent stage or we're in that stage where we're not quite ready to admit that we're addicts or alcoholics, we're not ready to take a realistic look at our disease. We try to do the, this for that. Right. We try to do the swippy swap. We try to, it's called cross addiction, right? right. Like, okay. Like I get this a lot. I, I'll have somebody come into services and they say, I just need help with my alcohol because they'll be on a list of mind altering medications. And I'm like, okay, so you've never abused your pain meds. Well, okay. Oh, Okay, so there's something there. Well, well, always. So you've never right. abused your Adderall. I can't say that. Okay, so you have a substance abuse problem, right? Like it's not just an alcohol problem. Like it's all dopamine in the brain at the end of the day. And I think that's important to point out because some people, until you surrender, until you come to the decision in your mind that you can't drink or drug, like most people out there because you have the disease of addiction you're going to you're going to slip up read that first sentence after the title of this paragraph again it is quite common for men and women who are becoming or sorry it is quite common for men and women who are beginning recovery to minimize the extent and severity of their problem. That wasn't actually the sentence I was looking for, though. The sentence I was looking for was uh, total abstinence. It has the word total abstinence in it, I think. Oh, our best chance for recovery lies in total abstinence from all mind-altering substances. Okay, that. listen, if you haven't read this book, I recommend it. It's a pretty good, it's book. good book. It's pretty easy read. Mm-hmm. I actually listened to it rather than reading it in, on an audio book on the way down. It took, I didn't. I, this is a three and a half hour drive for me. I'm done. I did the whole book, and it's so it's not that long of a book. Uh, it's got a lot of stuff in it, but this guy did a lot of research reading leading to this book, and that statement isn't just made as a flippant statement. That's based on research. Yeah, he has a PhD, and he is a person in long term recovery right. since 1971. Right. Which is kind of cool, right? Yeah, that's a long time. Yeah, well, kind of cool. Okay, I feel like that one, are you good on that one? Can we? No, we can move on for speak sure. Speak now and forever yeah. with our piece? No, I think that, uh, but yeah, I want, no, I still want to talk about this a little bit. I just, uh, I just, it's, uh, there is literature and there is medical literature showing that any substance that releases dopamine in your brain Results in higher rates of relapse of your substance of choice. Mm -hmm. We firmly believe, I firmly believe, although there's not necessarily data on this, I firmly believe that people's drug of choice comes from how their midbrain, how much uh, dopamine their midbrain releases based on using that substance. So in other words, the person that takes one Lortab and throws up, they didn't get much dopamine release from that. I get tremendous amounts of dopamine from, well, right. I, don't, I don't get tremendous from one Lortab, but I get tremendous amounts of dopamine from Lortab. Yeah. So I think there's differences there, and that's why we have different substances of choice. But every every substance that releases dopamine leads you to a higher chance of relapse on your substance. So pretending like they're not related is just that, pretending. And I think, again, it all has to come back to Surrender. You have to come to the conclusion. Oh, right. Oh, let's. We have a minute and a half left. Let's do. We don't need to get to another one yet. Although I know we do, but I want to do that. This last minute and a half on that subject right there. Step one. Yeah. Admitted that we were powerless Mm -hmm. over drugs and alcohol, and that our lives had become unmanageable. That is the key to this whole thing right here. Mm -hmm. You have to have a complete and total. Belief and admission to yourself that you are completely and totally powerless over drugs and alcohol. Once you start. I think that's a critical point. Once you put the drug or alcohol mm-hmm. in your system, all, all bets are off at that point. You have no ability to control that. If you had any ability to control that, you would never have gone to treatment and you would never have gone to jail and you wouldn't have gotten divorced and you wouldn't have that DUI and you wouldn't have 
been in the ER. The negative consequences right. associated with right. yeah, your chemical use. Yeah, and I always tell people get the powerless thing confused all the time, especially family members. They're like, don't tell me Johnny or Susie's powerless. Yeah, like, he they can have, choose not to. They can choose not to. And, and, I, and I have to tell them, you're right. And at the same time, today they have choice. Once they were in active addiction, it was no longer a choice. Yep. All right. We'll get back at this. We're, we got one down. 11 more to go right uh, after we're this. We're not going to get through 11, but. 30-second uh, sponsorship mention. You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center, Rise Up Subs in the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. If you or your loved one is trapped in the cycle of addiction, there is a way out. At Steps Recovery Center in Utah, we believe in second chances and new beginnings. Our evidence-based treatments, compassionate staff, and supportive community guide you on the path to recovery. It is time to reclaim your life. Take the first step towards freedom, resilience, and a brighter tomorrow. Reach out to Steps Recovery Centers today. Recovery starts with you. And at Steps, there is always hope. Call us or visit our website to learn more. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center, Rise Up Sups in the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. All right, welcome back to episode number 138. We Do Recover with Jared Miller. I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host and the hostess, Jared Miller, sitting to my right. Um, but before we get back into this uh Part two is brought to you by the Hilton Garden Inn. I like to call them HGI these days. Just my new... Uh, <laughs> Look at you, man. Uh, yeah, HGI. Uh, Hilton Garden Inn is a fantastic hotel, and it's a great place for you and your loved ones to spend a vacation, a holiday, you know, whatever it is. The holidays are coming up. If you need to get out of that cold weather up north, come down here and let Hilton Garden Inn take care of you. Beautiful. You know, it's Utah. always sunny and bright at the Hilton Garden Inn. No matter what. Yep. Even when it's raining. Yep. It doesn't matter. You come from you come from up north where it's snowy and cold. It's always sunny and bright at the Hilton Garden Inn. They have great amenities. They have large rooms. They have a beautiful pool. They have great food. The restaurant's good. Staff is fantastic, and they'll take good care of you. Give them a shot at your... Vacation. We appreciate them sponsoring this podcast. Yep, they're awesome. Absolutely. All right. So I'm going to jump. I'm going to jump. So I'm going to keep you from jumping because that's my job. Okay. I'm going to let you jump. We, uh, I love dragging this out, but I really think the, re the, I think the point we made at the end is critical to this entire discussion. And that is that you have to accept that you cannot control your use of substances. Once you start, you have to admit complete powerlessness. If we got nothing out of the first segment, that's critical to the rest of this stuff. Okay, keep going. And which one, which one do you want to do that, now? And that your and life, that your life is unmanageable. unmanageable. Yeah, no a question. lot of people struggle with, like, yeah, that's a lot of relapse prevention is let's recognize the negative consequences. Let's right. look at the cost. Let's right. look at, right? Okay. There's one of these I want to jump to. Which one do you want to pick? And I think it goes along with what we've been talking about. Stupid S thing number? Five. Feeling special and unique. Stupid thing number five, feeling special and unique. Humility is the spiritual foundation of recovery. In order to feel worthy, we do not need to be unique. People who do best in recovery are those who surrender and follow suggestions. Critical point, which is, which is a giant stumbling block to most of us. Yeah. Right. And also, let's go back to my original point. Okay. A critical point that you're trying to prove you're not powerless. Mm. Right? You're, and what do we call it in AA? Terminally unique. You're terminally unique. What does that mean? <laughs> Your uniqueness might just kill you. Yep. Right? People, a lot of people say, well, listen, AA doesn't work for me. Uh, well, that's because you're not the boss, dude. Nobody works for you. That's a great point. Right? <laughs> AA doesn't work for you. AA is sitting over there. You, AA is not supposed to work for you. You're supposed to work for it, period. Yeah. Right? It's This is trying to hold on to your power, trying to prove how awesome you are. I, I don't need AA. I can't do AA. It doesn't work for me. That bec That's because you can't 
read that sentence again. Submit. What was it? Humility is the spiritual foundation of recovery. In order to feel worthy, we do not need to be unique. People who do best in recovery are those who surrender and follow suggestions. Uh, mm, mm. Yep. Okay. That's a really. Couple. That's a well-worded sentence too. Suggestions. Mm-hmm. AA doesn't say do this or else. These are spiritual beliefs that might help your life, and that frankly, guaranteed, will help your life. But people don't like that being shoved down their throat. So it's a well-worded sentence. Suggestions. One of the things that that I catch early on, or I hear a lot of, with um, you know, pe- friends, people that are that are that. I'm working with that I, you know, that I care about and get the opportunity to, um, help is listen, I'm, I'm different. It's different for me. Let me tell you about all my medical problems or, Hey, I'm different. You could never understand the dynamic of my marriage or, Hey, if you had the same childhood that I had, you would, you know, be in the same situation I am. And and a lot of that is, I feel like is our, it's self-delusion, it's rationalization, it's justification. It is our inability, it's false self, it's it's ego, it's pride, right? It's it's our inability to go, you know what? I'm really not that different. I'm sure a lot of people who have been through what I've been through have been able to make changes in their life and figure out something something else. In other words, there really isn't any th- such thing as a unicorn. Right. 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 Like no the, matter what you want to believe. Yeah. You're not a unicorn. Right. Um, and, and I think part of that, I love that it starts off with the word humility because I think a lot of people, I work with all demographics, people generationally in poverty and generationally in substance abuse. And I've also worked with surgeons, nurses, lawyers. Right. And I just heard. Never mind. I'm not going to say what I heard. One of the common things is, doesn't matter where you're at, recovery requires humility, mm-hmm. honesty, openness, willingness. It's interesting that the professions you named were highly ego-driven professions, for sure. Mm. People people have to have relatively strong egos to even be in those fields, basically, right? The ego is not your amigo. I like that. Um, I like that. Yeah, well, I got it off a T-shirt that a friend bought me once. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, humility is critical to this entire thing. And if you can't be humble, then you can't get to... You, if you can't be humble, you're going to be terminally unique, period. Yeah. And, and so what, what these... It, the interesting thing is this book, first of all, is written from a very strong AA perspective. In fact, so so strong that he picked 12 stupid things, right? I mean, (laughs) he picked 12 as a number on purpose. You see the word recovery, there's always a 12 close by. That's an AA thing, right? There's lots of 12s in AA, but that is uh, the 12 steps and the 12 traditions. But, But this is a high AA book, and if AA doesn't work for you, Mm. you may not love the book, but AA is far and away the the most proven, the most successful way to do recovery. Does it? We're very open to alternative methods on this podcast, but the key thing is you have to be open to suggestion. You have to be humble, and if you aren't open to suggestion or humble. AA is not going to work for you, but frankly, neither is anything else. Come on. Well said. Well said. And I think a lot of people struggle with the humility thing because we all have this thing called an ego, right? We all have this, a lot of us have this, um, we're different in different environments. And once we're unable to deny the negative consequences of, of our disease, there's a lot of shame. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of guilt. Sure. And some people will surrender and they'll throw up their hands mm-hmm. and they'll have humility. Other people squeeze tighter. Mm-hmm. They hold on, mm-hmm. right? Because they do not want to look at that. They don't yeah. want to face that. They don't want to have to admit that. And so, yeah, like if you, if you feel like you got to be special and unique, take a look at that because guess what? Think about this. He talks about this in the book, which I absolutely love. If you're going in for a medical procedure, if you're going in for like open heart surgery, let's say, 
you want to be normal. Yeah. Because yeah, that's most of those right. surgeries that are normal, those people survive, go successful. Right. If you're a quote unquote if, special case, yeah, if the doc gets in there and you got seven ascending carotid arteries instead of one, that's a special case. Right. Meaning that's going to be a tougher case for the surgeon for sure. Right. It's kind of a cool little thing to, yeah. to take no, a look that's at. That's an right? interesting point. Like, guess what? Like, normal's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely is. Yeah. Um, is there one that you want to jump to since I jumped to? I don't know. Let's see here. Well, yeah. Um, he actually. Uh, let's do. Uh, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's very, it's very AA. You can tell that he went through AA. For sure. He's an AA guy. He's a recovering, he al- a recovering alcoholic. He also has some of these that I absolutely love too. Believing the program, or sorry, using the program to handle everything. Yeah. Right? Uh, conf- what was the other one about program? Using the program to try to become perfect. Yeah. Like there's some good stuff in there. And then the relationship piece. Yeah. Not getting help for relationship troubles. Like I specifically love how he talks about a sponsor's not a therapist. Right. A sponsor's not. Right. A, a sponsor walks you through the 12 steps. Right. Which gives you a spiritual solution for your addiction, disease, however you want to phrase it. This is a this is an interesting thing because, right, you're so let's just say all of a sudden, just for the heck of it, you and I decide we want to become carpenters. Sweet. Okay. How like we, building stuff. Yeah. That'd be it's cool, actually right? I it's a lot of work, uh, manual labor, which you know I couldn't do because I just couldn't, frankly. Um, <laughs> You're a princess. Yeah, I'm a princess. <laughs> uh, but, okay, forget that stuff. But we decide we want to become a carpenter. What should be our first step? Maybe go into a trade school okay. or finding get, a get, mentor. Get some education. Or go talk to a carpenter. Yeah. That would be an interesting step, wouldn't it? Yeah. Go talk to a carpenter. So here is the concept of AA, right? You want to learn how to be sober? Go talk to a guy who, not a guy who is sober, a guy who got sober, okay? Talking to my mom who never used a single drug in her life was never as valuable to me as talking to another alcoholic or or drug addict or person with substance abuse issues. Um that was always going to be more valuable to me than talking to someone who had never struggled with the problem. Yeah. Right. So that is the real concept of AA is you want to know how to get sober? Go talk to somebody who got sober, which is a sponsor with, and your sponsor probably used this guideline, this map, this roadmap, which is also, the other thing you need to do if you want to become a carpenter, read a book about carpentry. Study. Yep. yep. Go to school about carpentry, whatever mm-hmm. that is. Read a book, go to school, go online, whatever it is these days. But then also talk to an actual carpenter so that you really do want it. You know you want to become a carpenter. Yeah. This is what AA does. And so if AA doesn't work for you, you've, you're, just, you're now trying to become a carpenter without talking to a carpenter. Well, which is a bad. Okay. I want to do two. Okay. Because I like two. Believing sobriety will fix everything. Mm. Okay, so you see this all the time, right? Do you want, do you want me to read his little sure. subsection? Give me a little blurb. Recovery begins with breaking the bonds of addiction, but this is only the first step on a, on a long journey. Recovery is ultimately about recovering our spiritual or true self. Okay, so you see this all the time. People... Um, you know, you, you go to meetings, for example, or you talk to another addict or alcoholic and you hear these things like, man, my life is so good right now. Everything's perfect. My life's fantastic. So then you go and decide you're going to get sober and you get sober and you're following the principles and you're doing everything and you look around and you're still broke Mm. or you look around and you're still a, you know what you get when you sober up a horse thief? Still a thief. You're still a horse thief. Yeah. Yeah. You just happen to be a sober horse thief. Putting down drugs and alcohol, sobriety. Um, well, maybe that's not sobriety. It's, it is abstinence. Abstinence. Yeah. yeah. Abstinence doesn't fix much. Yeah. It does, it does help you figure out how to fix some things, but sobriety slash absent, well, abstinence itself isn't going to fix very much for you other than it's, you're not going to create new problems. So people get a year down the road and they look out, they look around and they're, 
you know, they're still having trouble in their families and they're still having trouble at their job and their bills aren't all paid and they, you know, they got fired and they, okay, that's never one of the promises, right? Right. No one ever promised you that everything was going to be roses. You're going to have just as many problems or more or less. Nobody knows. But now you just don't deal with them the same way. And now I, you actually have to deal with them instead of retreating into the haze of drugs and alcohol. Well said, sir. Yeah, yeah. I I absolutely agree with that. And, and in fact, I would even one-up you and say things are going to get worse before they get better. They might. Most likely yep. things are going to get worse before they get better because guess what? A lot of times we have things called defects of character. Sure. We have things called resentments. Sure. We have you know, some of that stuff that we're going to need to resolve before we can actually move through the shame, before what? we can actually recognize our thinking errors, before we can actually turn our defects of character into assets, right? So oftentimes when you first become abstinent, man is the monster awake sure. because everything starts getting loud sure, and you're starting to feel for the first time in a long time. What, what does the 12 steps want you to do with defects of character and uh, what else did you say? Defects of character and one more thing. I can't remember. Resentments. What, resentments. what does the 12 steps want you to do with those things? Well, the defects of character, you've got to understand them. Yeah. You and then what? Talk to your sponsor about it. Okay. got to pray for them to be yeah. removed. Yeah. But also part of be that Be willing step, to have someone help you remove them. Absolutely. Part of that step six and seven is taking a look at, okay, if one of my defects of character is I lie... What's the opposite of lying? Um, I don't know. Being honest. I'm just kidding. Right? Yeah. So, so I need to keep at the forefront of my mind that if my defective character is that I lie, I need to, in all my affairs, be rigorously honest. Oh, rigorously honest. That's an interesting term that I want to go to that one in just a second. But I think that what does the 12 steps want you to do with resentments and defects of character is directly opposite to what we used to do, which is what we used to do with ah, defects of character. Point. Great point. We used to just do this yeah. and we could tolerate it. Ooh, that, I'm a jerk to my wife, but as long as I'm numb, drunk, high, whatever that is, that's okay. Right. And a lot of Instead times of facing it and trying to change it and trying to become a better human being. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of times lack of self-esteem, mm -hmm. you hear people say, I like myself better when I'm in intoxicated, mm -hmm. when I've had a few drinks in me or I, you know, a little bit inebriated. I like myself better. I'm more social and more outgoing. And okay, well, you know what that is? Your defective character is lack of self-esteem. Yeah, you right? hate yourself. Yeah. Like. You don't, you don't like yourself better at all. You like being numb so that you don't realize you hate yourself. Yeah. It's really what that's all about. So you can accept yourself so you feel more comfortable for other people to accept you. Yep. That's the problem. So that's one of the things I talk to people about all the time. That's the problem with numb, right? You eliminate this really bad stuff down here, but you also eliminate this really great stuff up here. But if most of your life is this bad stuff down here, then numb seems better than that. Mm. But the truth is actually confronting the problem is better than that. Absolutely. And right. how do we, how do we improve self-esteem by doing esteemable acts? We can't really do esteemable what? acts when our frontal cortex is shut down because our midbrain is in the driver's seat. Life is so easy when you're not drunk. You, all these things make sense, right? They start working together. It's, it's like that. Um, it's the culminating effect. The, the, how, oh, what is it? Compound effect, yeah. right? It's the compound effect. The abstinence helps the rational thinking. The rational thinking helps I, some of this other I had stuff. The, I had the same guy in treatment who told me he was going to leave and smoke pot. He uh, told me that he was being disrespected at the treatment center. Mm. Now, these are things, this doesn't relate to this book, but it's a quick little anecdote. I said, you know what you should do then? Go out there and act respectable. Yeah. If you want respect, go act respectable. Stop acting. Stop. He's, he was yelling at my nurse. Mm. about being disrespected. How ironic is it that you're yelling at someone, disrespecting someone, while you're complaining about being disrespected? Okay. It's always about you. It, it really, like when you're, when you're taking a look at um, this world that me and you live in, it has little to do, I get this all the time, when I'm working with somebody and they're telling, let me tell you about my significant other, right? And, they do, 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 oh, yeah. yada, yada, yada. and I have to stop them and say, listen, I'm not, I'm not here to 
to find out about your significant other? Where's you, what's your responsibility right. in that? Oh, oh this and is they a get big so frustrated book. when I do that. And they're like, man, you always put it back on me. Yes. Because if you can figure out that it's you, it's you in the equation, no matter what the equation is, you can't control what they do, but you can control how you react. Right. That's a giant part of this book actually is, is staying inward and looking at your piece in it, but realizing, so right, there's this prayer we all say at the beginning of the whole, or the end of the whole meeting, or sometimes the beginning of God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Okay. Again, we know that's them, everything out there, situations, everything people, places, out things. There. Yep. The courage to change the things I can, everything in here. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts. And then the difficult part is knowing the difference, right? Knowing sometimes that that's something I can't control. Knowing that takes wisdom. Knowing that takes messing it up a few times. Knowing that takes some experience. But that's that's a very very core basic principle of we are the problem. No one else is the problem. If you're in a bad marriage, you can't change your spouse anyway. Right. No matter mm-hmm. what. So you've got some choices there, but you can't. Do that. You can do this. Yeah. Can you live in that bad marriage? Can you make it better? Can you? But it requires this. Okay. Stupid thing number four. Stupid thing number four. Being, number four. Being selectively honest. Okay. You, right? you, earlier you used the term rigorous honesty. Okay. I want to Recu- bring that. I want to bring that up. I know you want to read, read this, the, but but I think keep rigorous honesty in mind because that's what it's going to require. It's in the little little taste that we're going to yeah. give. Recovery requires rigorous honesty. Yes. Now, here's the big point. Nothing less will work. Nothing Mm. less will work. We are as sick as our secrets. We are as sick as our secrets. Another just unbelievably critical principle, Mm. right? Yep. What's a partial truth? Lying by omission. A partial truth is a lie. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing is... You have to be rigorously honest. You can't be partially truthful and think you're tr- and you can think it, but you are not being truthful. Like lying about, uh, I don't even know. Like, okay, let's say when you were drunk one night, you were unfaithful in your marriage, mm. and what you want to do is you tell your wife that when you were using, you had feelings for another person. Yeah. Or you that's know what? a partial truth. The next morning when she's like, where were you and what happened and all the stuff you're like, I just blacked out and fell asleep at work. Mm-hmm. Right. Just the right. inability to be honest. Rigorous. Here's, here's, here's at its core. The reason why that doesn't work at its core, you know, and unless you're like a sociopath or have some severe narcissism going on, you're going to have what's called a guilty conscience. And this all boils down to the shame and this guilt thing. And so you can go through the motions and you can be like Bob and AA that he talks about in here and be able to quote the book and say all the right stuff. And, you know, uh, and at the same time, you know, you're a fraud, right? Because your, your inability to be honest with yourself, your inability to be honest with the people around you. I've done some questionable stuff in recovery. Sure. I've, I, we've done podcasts about ketamine. Sure. You know what I'm absolutely not ashamed of? Talk to me. Treating my depression. Because guess what? I can't live a life of absence. I can't live a life of recovery. I can't be a husband. I can't be a, all the, the titles and roles. If I struggle with suicidal ideation or if I struggle with self-worth, right? And so I say that to bring this full circle. I, I am transparent about these things. Because I don't want my secrets to keep me sick. If I thought I was doing something wrong, I wouldn't share about those things. Or you would because you're rigorously honest. But I get what you're saying. Right. And so I use that as an example to you have to be transparent. You have to be rigorously honest. It's, uh, you know, the big book says something about, um, and I can't quote this exactly, but I should be able to, but uh, about it doesn't matter what kind of emotional problems you have. All this requires is the ability to be honest. All mm. all recovery requires is the ability to be honest and to be honest with others 
but also to be honest with yourself. This searching and fearless moral inventory that people are supposed to do, if you do it and lie to yourself about all the stuff you did, how terrible and devastating it might have been to others, and if what you want to do is sugarcoat that, that's not searching and fearless. That's not rigorous honesty, and you're not going to get better that way. You're getting, you're going to get better by being rigorously, totally honest, not sugarcoating stuff. You know how they remove cancer, skin cell cancer? Uh, big knife. They remove enough until they hit healthy cells. Right. In other words, you got to get it all. Right. Every every margin, I call them margins, but every margin can't have anything close to it that is a cancerous cell. I you like have to, to have clear margins. They I call that. I like to draw comparisons, right? But, okay, we but got essentially, a left. essentially, this is a purging of the soul. Sure. That's why they say this is a disease with a spiritual. Wow, oh, this is a disease with a, a spiritual solution. Solution. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. We got a minute left. Man, this has gone by fast. Yeah, well, there's like eight more of these things. We talked about three or four of them, maybe. If Um, you're interested at all, check out the book, 12 Stupid Things That Mess Up Recovery. Please reach out to us. Share this with a friend. Share this with a family member. Let us know what what we're willing to talk about anything recovery-wise on this podcast. Let's do it. For sure. The last thing I would say is we're coming to the holidays. Tough time for people sometimes. Mm. Family difficulties, all that stuff comes back up. Be rigorously honest and be very close to your program at this time of year. It may be a tough time for people, but happy holidays. Absolutely. Well said. All right. We love you all and we hope you guys have a great uh, holiday season. We'll be back. If all this week, I think, right. And if all this stuff sounds really tough on the opposite side of it is freedom. Yep. Freedom. All right. All right. Welcome. Uh, I mean, thank thanks, you everybody. for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center, Rise Up Subs, and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of its sponsors. This has been a production from a podcast studio.